Hello, and welcome back to the second part of our West Side Story discussion. If you haven't listened to the first part, uh, go listen, lis I don't, why are you, go listen to the first part. If you have listened to the first part, you will know that we have spent the bulk of our time so far discussing our thoughts on Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, and in the middle of our talk about the choreography, we were just about to address a name. Unfortunately, it's far from the most beautiful sound we've ever heard. Please enjoy the second part of our discussion of West Side Story. Hey there, my name is Dan. My name is Joshua, and, and we, we are, are the Unauthorized, unauthorized Critics, Critics Circle. Circle. Now, Joshua, tell the listener what we do here at the UCC. With pleasure. Here at the UCC, we review theater... With the normal bitcheries and qualms... By watching the video recordings... From questionable origins... Of various productions. Literally, I don't see, A, how you fall for Tony here, B, well, why this Maria wouldn't stick with Chino. At least, if we're going to at least partially uncover the white elephant in the room, um, honestly, Ansel Elgort gets shot the fuck up at the end, and he's laying on the ground, and he's on the verge of death, and then he actually dies, and you're looking into his eyes, and you're like, that is exactly as lifelike as he looked in any yeah. other scene of this movie that yes. is as active that is as full of warmth that is as full of life <laughs> uh, like i was sitting there thinking because he started singing and he has zero feel for any kind of style and i was thinking you know should he have been dubbed and stylistically yes but it's not a bad voice and I realized halfway through something's coming. It's not the vocalizing that should have been dubbed. It's the lifeless eyes, and it's the acting yeah. that really could have been dubbed for him. <laughs> um, God. Do you think she potentially has agency because she's dealing with a wet dish rag who's not bringing much? So naturally, she who can actually act has the upper hand. If anything, it felt like she had this assertiveness in in spite of nothing coming at her from her direction. Like, I see agency as well in the scenes between her and Bernardo and Anita, you know? Because she does stick up for herself. She has those arguments. She has those I am my own person. Not just like the, oh, why won't you let me do this? I'm grown. It's It's an outright like challenging of views you know okay this well, this media guess, challenges throughout the movie i guess then it's just an issue of there's so few female characters that one of them is Possibly. slightly minimized and i'm questioning that oh are all females minimized it, because there's only what two and then they added a third there there's two central like in in West Side Story, if you're not going to call, uh, the people who are doing America named characters, they have names and they have like personalities attributed to them. Rosalia, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, like Rosalia, and there's also um, what's her name? Starts with a C. There's a, Consuela, I think. 
Rosalia um, is in the original stage version where it is all females doing America. Yeah, Rosalia is the one who does the, the counterpoint. One. Puerto Rico, my heart, you lovely island, island of tropical breezes. Uh, she's the one that sings that. Yeah, there are like like aside from those characters, the only actual character characters, the one that are given depth to the extent that any of the jets or any of the sharks are it's anita and maria uh and in mm-hmm. the movie doc and otherwise yeah um, and but aside we, aside we, from the boutique scene as well there's not really any moment that you have non anita maria characters conferring right like mm-hmm. i don't even i don't think there's a scene of that in the movie at all maybe some brief moments for the jets but mm-hmm but we were talking about the choreography. Big, <laughs> big swing. Um, I don't know. I said Balanchine because of how clean it was. It didn't feel human in the way that Robin's dancing usually feels human to me. There wasn't a frailty at any point that I think mm. is usually apparent in Robin's work. Although West Side Story, not much frailty. Um, mm-hmm. But then what is in West Side Story is a lot of character dancing. And for what the choreography was and for what the choreography wasn't, there wasn't much character dancing. You were not learning who these characters were and you were not getting individual impressions of the characters through dance and something like i mean that moment i played for you dance at the gym you watch the original movie yes they're walking in in the second one but the first one you know what's going on all of the characters are like grinding up against each other and like it's very sexual (laughs) overtones and baby john is just dancing on his own um, with his girl, they're doing normal dancing, uh, just <laughs> bopping around and what's happening. Everyone is swaying to the, um, and what is baby John doing? He's bopping around to So you have representations visually of both sides of the cross rhythm and you realize that baby John is then really immature for the Jets and doesn't have the same goals or doesn't have isn't in the same life space the rest of the Jets are and what is then interesting is some of the productions then go on to have baby John rape Anita and so there's a whole character arc that is given to that character based on this one dance moment. And there was no individualized dancing. It was just they danced as a group. And mm. maybe David Alvarez did a turn that was technical. And then <sighs> again, Spielberg just rendered all the dancing very flatly. And so that sort of sucked a little bit of energy out of it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I didn't see any of the Robin's influence. I went back the second time I saw it. It was there. There there were moments. Like, it felt like, you, you know, there's that one iconic shot of Bernardo and um, 
the two dancers in the original West Side Story movie of that Jerome Robbins choreo where they're doing that famous pose with the legs stuck out and the arms out, you know? And it mm-hmm. felt like... Like, that really is the one image that, to me, I guess, familiarizes me with the Robin style. And I saw flourishes of that it throughout is, the movie. Well, the reason that that stands out is it's an ideogram. And mm-hmm. if you're not familiar with ideograms, it's a style that Julie Taymor works in a lot. And um, Glenn Berger, in his Spitterman book, explained he went to go see the lion king and he realized her visual style because scar and simba have a fight and in your mind you remember this huge fight scene and he went and he watched the show critically and he realized oh there's not a fight scene there's a single image of their arms meeting above their heads in anger and that is the entire Mm. fight scene an ideogram is a moment of movement that then represents a larger emotional moment. And so why that shark thing stands out, they are claiming their territory. They are spreading their limbs as wide as they can to claim their turf. And so why did I not recognize it initially? Because it didn't have the same emotional impact hmm, Okay. when they did something similar in this new movie. Yeah, well put, well put. I didn't really get, I guess, any of those ideographs through the show. There was this one thing where, I kept seeing in the choreography, it happened at least twice, where the dancers went into this, like, very jagged, very sudden pointer dog thing, where, like, they would go their arms would stick out at a very 90 degree position from their leg and they both sort of jagged out to make do you know what i'm talking about like they did in the prologue they did it in cool that's just peck yeah how would i describe it the arms there's a standing leg and the body swivels to be kind of parallel with the ground yeah and like you know you, you stick the arm out you stick the leg out and it's it's very staccato, very jagged. Um, and that was something where I saw some sort of ideograph, some sort of trademark, some sort of recurring, you know. Well, that actually, that move rings to me as quintessential Peck. It's one of the few that mm. he gets in. I mean, mm. he's still a very young artist. I don't know if we could even talk about quintessential Peck. There's not the abundance of work yet um to speak in such terms but that feels peck to me and like i sat there with the eva van huva where not a single jerry robbins move was kept but the thing that it did do leaned into um the anarchy that i talked about that is apparent in Bernstein's music it did feel like they were trying to respond to the music and I was not getting because ballet is a visual representation of music oftentimes the dancing Mm -hmm. I was seeing was not matching the music I was hearing a lot of the time and I have a major issue there then again I don't know how much is someone else coming in and rounding off his edges. Mm. 
in any case, I thought the choreography was fine enough technically. I'm not, but I'm not the most dance literate, so I. It, it was fine. It wasn't bad. It didn't. It didn't land the way it should have landed, especially for how dance heavy West Side Story has always been. Mm-hmm. Sure. And really, I mean, the biggest thing is it didn't build. None of those numbers built visually correctly. And a lot of that is Spielberg. But a couple of those decisions, the dance at the gym not landing and not building, that's Peck. Do you think there's any merit in... We've talked about this adaptation's screenplay. Um, this may be our West Side Story discussion. Do you want to talk about this music as its own? Yeah, I don't um, think we've even mentioned Stephen Sondheim. <laughs> no, we haven't at all. Um, just that here. So, so, in, so in that case, let's start with him. Let's start with uh, the man himself. Um, these are all his original lyrics. Other than I think there were like a couple words shifted here or there. I noticed they ever so slightly reworded the last line of the Jet song. Love the whole. Buggin' ever loving street. They changed that a little bit. Um, and they went with what the movie lyrics of. Oh, it was a. Uh, it was like of the whole ever mother loving street. It was like so minor, it was, but it was noticeable. Oh. Um, I wasn't sure why, but <clears throat> is it? Oh, it might have just been getting rid of the. Getting rid of buggin'. Frabba jabba. It, yeah, cutting the frabba jabba, I and. <laughs> Because if you look at some of, of those the words. if you cut look at some of the cut songs, he was trying to use words like Moonaroonie. How long does it take to reach the Moonaroonie? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. exactly it. Uh, he um, was really leaning into the Frabajaba, and they slowly decided to not do that. Ooh, what is interesting? If you read the Leonard Bernstein letters, Leonard Bernstein, of course, made his own recording of West Side Story, um, mm -hmm. which is... Of which there's an awesome documentary. There is an awesome documentary, and by all means, never listen to the actual recording. It, it's just awful uh, for a number of reasons, but... There's a book, The Leonard Bernstein Letters, where you read correspondence of people Leonard Bernstein wrote to and letters Leonard Bernstein received. And just to follow the evolution of his and Stephen Sondheim's friendship, there is a letter. I just got your recording of West Side Story. It's an impressive achievement. Really would have appreciated it if you asked me before you restored some of the cut lyrics. Because in the Jet song, Leonard Bernstein added back in a bridge that was cut about when the Jets go into the cornball dance. Uh, and I forget, <laughs> it goes on. And Sondheim specifically mentioned that and said, really would have appreciated it if you consulted me because I don't want those out there. Jesus. Uh-huh. And they actually, of all of the people that worked on West Side Story... Those two remain the friendliest. And if you do look up that symposium that the four of them did in 1985, 
Uh, they proceed, the four of them proceed together because this is also right after Arthur Lawrence's Lacage goes up against Sunday in the Park with George and Arthur uh-huh. Lawrence insulted Sunday in the Park with George. I mean, the entire thing starts proceeding like it is the Camp David Peace Accords. That is the level of diplomacy that is needed you, here, to merely here, get the I four have... on stage and just ask them questions about West Side Story. I have uh, the the complete and total letter from April 1985, Sondheim to Bernstein. The entire the entire epic letter, which reads, "Dear Lenny, thanks for the album. Dash, very impressive. Dash, but I wish you'd have asked me before restoring that first brackets and not my favorite end brackets jet squat train. Love, Steve." That's the entire letter. And, and and Bernstein responds by saying, Dear Steve, it's particularly hard to apologize to today's Pulitzer winner for a bit of thoughtlessness. <laughs> uh, or, here, I'll finish it. Or perhaps it's easier, you might understandably be in, an, in a euphoric and forgiving mood. In any case, I was thoughtless, so carried away by the fun of presaging the gym swing music that I neglected to consult you for approval. I am also, I am sorry, but also forgive me, singing and leaping about in celebration of your new glory. And so does your, your show deserve it. Congrats, blessings, love, Lenny. No, another thing that's interesting, reading those letters, Sondheim played him every score up to, I think, Assassins was the last show that he was alive for. And mm-hmm. Sondheim specifically went to Lenny Bernstein. Before the show, when the show was about to get produced, he would play the entire score and get Leonard Bernstein's feedback. And, I mean, there's notes about Assassins. And I think it, he merrily we roll along is discussed at one point. And I think Bernstein's response is that it's too intellectual and Sondheim really should be having more fun. Sondheim has been one to publicly say that he's not really a fan of the West Side Story lyrics for the most part. And the fact that, you know, in songs like Tonight, he's straying from character and instead these people, as you mentioned, it's the Noel Coward thing. It's the Mm -hmm. fact that these characters aren't speaking as true as usual because they're because they're in some love thing and he comments a lot about how you know this is me showing off as a lyricist and it was a disservice to the story and so i'm not a fan of it well the Um, real thorn in his side there's ah and he started calling somewhere the ah song because the way the melody is written and the lyric he wrote the word that had the highest note and therefore was the most emphasized was constantly ah. If anything, I would, I would, I could see the argument being made like one could find place as a way to land on because it resolves. Ba, 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 you know? Um, but psychologically, your brain just thinks of that high note as being like the sort of capital letter word i guess Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i don't think it's a bad set of lyrics it's just imperfect yeah no no god no i would not say this is a bad set of lyrics i don't think anyone in their right mind could say west side story is a bad set of lyrics at its worst it is a, a departure from character the lyrics themselves are pretty brilliant 
it's nothing revolutionary, but they're all extremely solid, extremely well-written. And at their best, they are chock-full of character. They complement the scene perfectly. And they have beautiful, beautiful things to say. I think Sondheim... This is Sondheim's first, like... This is his Broadway debut. Outside of the specific technical issues that he's talked about, I think he wasn't very happy with the West Side Story lyrics because he was taking bigger swings than he would ever take for the rest of his career. Um, And it's just not a place that he's comfortable in. Um, they, they never feel uncomfortable, but Sondheim not being in the room with Bernstein, he never would have come up with today. The world was just an address, a place for me to live in no better than all right. And Mm. that's the purple proseness of a lot of the lyrics, (laughs) I think is something that he was rebelling against for a lot of his career. And in this case, it was something that he perpetuated overall it's a brilliant set of lyrics um could they have i guess been more technically solid sure is there anything i is there anything i really point to in west side story and go ah well he fell off a bit there absolutely not Mm -mm. and (laughs) the criticisms that are now familiar are only familiar because he talked about them openly and loudly well that's on time <laughs> otherwise a Sondheim lyric is a brilliant lyric and this show is certainly elevated for his words mm-hmm. um, and I think in many cases those words are done great justice in the film uh, on the behalf of the performers um, well that's a very odd thing to say that you did a lyric justice because lyrics aren't meant to live on their own and so really it has to be both lyric and music that you're talking about being done justice otherwise you did a lyric justice means that you pronounced everything well well i mean i mean in terms of it like like in like the interpretation of a lyric akin to the interpretation of a line i mean you know, in um, actually critically embodying the lyric in that sense, if you know what I mean. And of course, that's in tandem with the music, but you know, it's I, about like how those interpretations were dealt. It's not like there, there, there were many performers who wouldn't let a, li- a lyric come off as frivolous. Okay, that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking of something like a boy like that which I thought was really, really fantastically embodied, really fantastically performed, done like a fucking scene, which is great. Um, and of course, like, it's like, you could also make the argument it's hard not to with lyrics like these, but I thought they were very well-performed, very well-embodied, very well-interpreted. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. I don't know if I agree with you. Well, in any case, that's what I have to say about the lyrics. <laughs> um, and now we've got some Bernstein music to discuss. 
which I've I have previously said a lot. Um, but what I didn't say, it's just it's a thrilling score. It's um, it gets into the heart and makes the heart beat in abnormal ways that really gets you to pay attention. I think you mentioned it perfectly before when you mentioned this anarchy and this cross rhythm. If you listen to the beginning of the rumble. That's bound by nothing. There's no constraint of a time signature there, really. It's you can't track that this is uh like, you know, you, there's no click in your head keeping the tempo for you. The music you, sort of just declares itself, <clears throat> right? Well, and the entire score is built around the tritone, which people used to think was the sound of the devil. Of course, yeah. Um, ba, ba, ba. Yeah, the tritone either going unresolved or resolved as it, it gets resolved mm-hmm. in Maria. But, you know, really interesting, you have Sam Bick, who was obsessed with Lenny Bernstein. And <laughs> in Assassins, they have him talking about, oh, well, that's a love song you know how to write love music and you know how to make us feel and it is true that sam bick was obsessed with lenny bernstein i think he was obsessed though and i don't know if he would ever have been cognizant enough to realize it he's obsessed because there are sounds of anarchy and he likes or identifies with the disarray that he tried to create himself Mm-hmm. Sam Bick, of course, being the guy that tried to assassinate Richard Nixon. In case you're not familiar. <laughs> he was I going to Canadian, hijack so a plane it. and run it into the White House. It's also really Just tuneful. Feel... It's tuneful yeah. music. Da 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 it, it, it soars. The music really soars. Mm-hmm. And that's where the movie lets it down. <laughs> because even when you have a good vocalist they don't let the music soar and i don't know whose decision it was i imagine i know janine tesori directed the musical performances but i have to imagine they came to some agreement with spielberg before they went in to lay down the tracks but um even zegler zegler's a great vocalist and as much as I liked, um, oh boy, I like that. I have a love and it's all, it just, uh, you get into the, hold him, hold him now, forever, be with him now, tomorrow, and all my life. It doesn't float. It was like very clipped, right? I'm remembering it being very clipped. And it was just like, I should be completely exalted. I should not be able to catch my breath. You should be taking me to a new reality. And the note just ended. It was just cut off. And she's stuck in these duets with Elgort. And she's confined by, he's cutting off here. This is the key that he can sing the song in. And again, Elgort truly 
truly has no sense of style whatsoever. Not at all. Like, no, 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 no. He sings. The vocal quality every is single, fine. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. But it's like, yeah, I feel like vocally this cast could have been a bit more together. I think that's kind of universal. Um, mm-hmm. there were incredible voices. They're all good she voices. She can get you coordinated sort of... well, but I don't know mm-hmm. if she's going to help you understand style. I mean, because, I mean, it may come cannonballing down through the sky, gleaming its eye, bright as a... You're not hearing those beats. You're not trying to hit those... He doesn't shape any phrase. And I don't know how much time Janine Tesori had to try and tell him shape a phrase. He, he just has no sense of it. He's hitting a series of notes. In any case, though, Bernstein's music as it stands on its own, just Bernstein's music as Bernstein's music, is thrilling and fresh and innovative and dynamic and never anything close to boring or expected or any, anything like that, you know? It is... It is always leaping out at you. Uh, certainly, I, I think one of the finest scores in musical theater in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least from a technical level. And to this movie's credit, it reminded me why I like Leonard Bernstein music so much. And I'm already sitting here thinking, we need to get around to Candide. Why can I schedule Candide? Does that leave us with the performers? Um, <laughs> do you want to discuss the original book of West Side? Well, you don't know the original book of West Side Story. Yeah. The but... one great thing that the original book does is it's great economy. Gets you from one place to the next place with very little dialogue. It's not a lengthy book by any stretch of the imagination. And to have that plot and not have a lengthy book, that is an accomplishment in and of itself. It's also not like we've um, never discussed Off of Lawrence before on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We've lightly touched upon some of his works. In about nine or so episodes. Eight episodes and 21 productions, but who's counting? Um, well, Lacage. <laughs> he didn't write Lacage, oh, but we also discussed him in Lacage. And there was also a lengthy discussion randomly of the way we were, which he wrote. Oh, ugh. yeah, that was, that was just because you were calling me an anti-Semite. No, I was saying that people are their principles. And then I said I didn't get it. It was SpongeBob. This is related to SpongeBob. (laughs) Arthur Lawrence and SpongeBob. Oh, God, what he would have thought. (laughs) I think it would have killed him. (laughs) That's how. Mary Rogers jumps up. (laughs) That's how. I've been trying for years. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I guess that takes us two performers. This is longer than the movie. Let's get to these performances. Fuck order. Let's start with Riff, played by Mike Feist. I'm going to say something about Mike Feist uh, that I also said in uh, Tick, Tick, Boom, in our Tick, Tick, Boom episode. And that is um, 
This is the guy from Dear Evan Hansen? Who was who in Tick, Tick, Boom from Dear Evan Hansen? Steven Levinson. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'm so astounded. After seeing his performance as Riff, I'm astounded that I know Mike Feist from the non-dancing role of Connor Murphy in Dear Evan Hansen and not for Mike Feist, the triple threat dancer specialty performer because holy shit did he bring it um there was an interview steven spielberg gave where he mentioned that he saw mike feist dance before anything else and from the jump was like immediately taken by him from that point he also mentioned he strongly considered postponing west side story production altogether to accommodate for mike feist honestly worth it i agree i agree he that was a right decision i also would have interrupted west side story to make sure mike feist could be in it because jesus fuck if this movie is anything it is a showcase of his gift i just thought he was some kind of depressed um goth twink and like he shows up here and i had realized i had like never heard his speaking voice and it's like perfectly period for West Side Story. I don't. I mean, know. of course, I, there's I, an accent. I would have wasted so much time on him in my youth. Like, <laughs> if that was someone I knew in real life, I would have wasted so <laughs> much time. <laughs> oh. It is. It is really fucking stupendous dancing. It's very well sung. He kind of has this acting method that I sometimes jive with and don't really but it is a very distinct style and one that i can appreciate i like an actor who at least has a style to them right who at least Mm. has some trait that they inhibit maybe it's effective sometimes maybe it's not but at least there's a flair you know and that's something Mm -hmm. that i really like about mike feist i'm able to see that and i'm able to go this is his style it's it, it does it doesn't always work it's this very like you know very blunt sort of lower range of speaking and it's all very like you know very flowy sharp dialogue you know what i mean but he knows uh, how to like move the way the he dialogue. spoke just after the prologue yeah very true it, it, it's the way that he spoke in that scene after the prologue like when he was talking to lieutenant Trank, and then also sort of how he carried himself in the stockroom conversation with tony but the, the that that kind of thing there's that that style you know what i mean um and I think it works sometimes, it doesn't work sometimes, but overall it paints a very, very interesting character for Riff. Uh, one of the most effective, I, I'd say. He has um, he has star quality on screen, which I was not expecting. I heard sure. they cast the suicide kid from Dear Evan Hansen, and I thought, oh, it's going to be like a wet rag. Um, not so at all. Not so at all. And this is a name I never would have thought of. And it's someone that I probably now will pay attention to moving forward. And I hope this leads to better things in his career. So do I. So do I. I hope Mike Feist starts getting work like this as a result. Yeah, I just wanted to congratulate him on the top for his uh, incredible career following this. Um... Who do you want to go to? I don't care. Yeah, me neither. Cool. So that was West Side Story. 
thank you for listening. No, it was not. Let's uh, here. Whatever. You have anything to say about uh, Brian Darcy James? Why do you put Brian Darcy James in a musical and then not have him sing? I, I, I he was in like what two, maybe three scenes as Krupke, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he was very funny in them. I I love. He has this like the the last line he said. He's like he, it's something to the tune of like. Uh, I swear, Riff, long as I'd known you, you ain't had the sense God gave a pigeon. And there's something in the way he says it. This is the mark of someone who knows how to act to me. Someone who just comes up with shit that is so unformulaic, it's almost weird. You know? (laughs) I think that's Brian Darcy James' gift. And weirdness. Is this... Is this the third, fourth time we're covering him on the podcast? Titanic, Titanic and Sweet Smell Sweet of Smell. Success and Wild Party. Wild Party. This is a fourth time. Oh my God! Brian Darcy James reigns his crown as the most seen performer on the podcast. Sure. I thought it was very funny in this. I was happy to see his face. Good job, Brian Darcy James. All right. So now let's let's uh, let's chat about uh, David Alvarez as. Uh, Bernardo. Someone had a glow up. You know, what's really the greatest thing about this West Side Story movie is all these little gay boys are going to see this movie and they're going to have a lot of fun remembering it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad there's something that is for them that they really can um, ruminate on. I don't know if you noticed, but he sung and danced and acted in this too. Yeah, no, I did notice. He was very good. Um, I, I said he outdanced Anita. He's yeah. one hell of a dancer. Acting was really fantastic. I don't think he had much to sing, but what he did sing, he sang well. Yeah. It's wild. The, the, the best dancers in the movie by far are Riff and Bernardo. Yes. And Bernardo had America. And Riff, if anything, Riff did get a great showcase out of Cool. Otherwise, you got the dance in the gym, and then they're both just sort of not given much. But I guess that's as much dance as there kind of is in the movie, isn't there? Other than Krupke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I do want better dancing. I want it just for those two's sake. <laughs> <laughs> um... Um, no, he's very good. I enjoyed him. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, 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 I mirror your sentiments exactly. Very well sung, very well acted. I thought he performed with really great conviction and, um, really, really held his own in those scenes between him and Anita and him and Maria and the war council scene as well. He, he, he had a great job of holding his own mm-hmm. they did a fantastic job casting this movie all around like they didn't outside of one person they didn't go with any familiar names they didn't just find the flavor of the month they found possibly the best people for the each of these roles yeah and that is probably the best moves that were made in the movie 
just getting a cast mm -hmm. and casting who they cast. Let's move on to uh, Ariana DeBose as uh, Anita. Uh, Ariana DeBose, again, sings, acts, and dances well. They really did minimize Anita. Um, and she's not going to be an Anita for the ages because of that. I thought I thought it was a very good display of energy and enthusiasm, and I agree that it was passive than what I'm used to with Anita, but I wouldn't say it was, you know, an unactive performance. She just isn't given the tools to make the impression other Anitas have made. Perhaps. Maybe she's, just, she's not given enough to fuel that fire. But that being said, I did really think it was very well embodied and what it, it felt like a very authentic Anita. It felt like, you know, the stuff in the dance at the gym, she really felt alive in that moment, even though, you know, all of our comments about cinematography and choreography in that moment, despite that, she really did feel alive and she felt like she was jumping off the screen at a lot of points in this movie. Um, I was really impressed with her acting through song. I was really impressed with the way she moved. I was really impressed with her general take on the character. Um, I would, I would be happy to see a best supporting nom. I don't know about I'm it. I'm sorry I'd be to happy. say it, but she didn't rise to that level for me. Hmm. That's all right. Like she's I solid. She's fine. I I just didn't think it was that special. I, I enjoyed her very much. Okay, on to, um, and introducing herself, Rachel Zegler, playing Maria. It's, it, I, I almost feel at this point that the name selling West Side Story is Steven Spielberg and the second name is Rachel Zegler. Because she is one of the biggest names in kind of the world right now. Before... West Side Story had even come out. She had booked West Side Story at a debut, and then she had booked the Shazam movie, and then she booked Snow White for Disney. And it's like, you know, it's like artist going platinum, no album. Uh, fucking insane. And I absolutely understand the hype through this performance. I understand the hype because there is a glorious earnestness and a real warm heart that just comes with her she sings really really gorgeously for an acting debut she is so fucking with it with this character i i was so extremely charmed by her and i i, lo I loved the performance i'm excited to see everything that comes from her the camera loves her She's pretty bang up actress. Um, it is a nice, sweet voice, if on the small side, and I thought she was pretty fantastic. Mm -hmm. She was it just me, or did she visually remind you of of Olivia Husey in the Zeffirelli Romeo and Juliet? 
Like, visually. Yeah. yeah, I actually think I did have that thought. Like, that had to be intentional, right? <laughs> I'm st- God, startling. And then as well, you have the guy who's playing opposite Rachel Zegler who looks exactly like fucking Troy Bolton from the same movie. Mm. Yeah. That's a very good point. <laughs> you you mentioned Oscar noms. You've reached Oscar nominations. I don't know if I would ever vote for her to win, but she is someone I would like to see nominated. At the very, very least, someone who I want to see work a bunch more. Mm-hmm. I wish her well. That's for sure. You know who I don't wish well? Old Dead Eyes is back. <laughs> yes. God, yeah. I could go on my whole tangent about letting that guy rot on a spitfire, but I think the work uh, speaks for itself, you know? Um, Again. Ansel, Elgort, Ansel Elgort's work is as high quality as his uh, ethical standards. Again, he sings it. The voice isn't a bad voice. There is decent range. There is decent timbre. He just um, is limited in that the range he has is not big enough for the role. And he has zero idea on styling. We are led to believe that he can dance, but if you look closely on Cool... I'm going to allege it's a dance double and not him, but that's me. Um, I, I, I was watching very closely throughout that number because my immediate assumption was, okay, if this is going to be a Riff and Tony dance duet, they're going to get a double. And I so, so I saw, I saw this movie in an IMAX and I looked so closely at his face throughout the entire film and tried to see if I could pick out... And I couldn't. And it could have been a very good and very discreet CGI job, maybe. But there was a specific movement where, like, Riff and Tony were doing this elaborate move with spins in unison. And I was watching so closely for that. And that was one of the more sure I was that I was seeing Ansel Elgort's face. Which was so weird to me. I'm sorry. There's no way to be sure you're seeing Ansel Elgort's face. He looks like any other white guy. Like, that is such a generic <laughs> white guy face. Yeah. I yeah. Would, especially him spinning, doing a turn. I would not for a fucking second be sure you're looking at his face because there are a million other guys in this world with that exact face. So I have a question for you. Yeah. I'm realizing I had never seen Ansel Elgort in a movie before. Um, is he no, always yes, you this have. bad? Yes you, yes, you have. You've seen this one performance, you've seen every movie Ansel Elgort's been in. No, I, I'm I'm asking, is he always this bad? That's what I'm saying. I'm saying you've seen him in this movie, you've seen him in every movie. He's like that in every movie? He's that lifeless and He dead? doesn't play characters, he plays Ansel Elgort. But there's not even signs of life. Yeah. There are no signs of life in Ansel Elgort. I have another question. Uh, you go. How many times did you see Baby Driver? Ten. I I have another question. I don't want you to ask any more questions, actually. You didn't mind that the leading man of the Baby Driver was dead? He he was incidental. 
in the movie. I have another question. Please, um, Dan, spare me. <laughs> was it part of the plot that he was supposed to be dead? No, it wasn't part of the plot. Dan, do you have another question? I have another question. <laughs> was Kevin Spacey the person that buoyed that movie for you? <laughs> Edgar Wright was the person that buoyed that movie for me. The actors were also question. there. Fuck me, Dan. <laughs> was Edgar Wright even in a big part? He he was a fucking director. Oh. I have a yeah. question. But I have a question. Have, another question. Uh, no, no, no. I have a question. Have you ever seen uh, an Edgar Wright movie? Um, What has he made? Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, The World's End, uh, Last Night in Soho. No, I haven't. Okay, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Do you hate cinema? No, I don't. Okay, I have, I a, have question. a question. Do you hate comedy? I have a question. You don't mind that leading men kind of just suck when you're trying to see a movie multiple times? In that, for that movie... My interest in the film was not in any of the performances. It was in the technical filmmaking. Of Baby Driver. Of Baby Driver. Driving, he, he drove around babies. Yes, that's exactly the movie. Did the babies have cancer? Was it a tearjerker? Yes, the babies have cancer. No, you're thinking about The Fault in Our Stars. Listen, Ansel I have Elgort another question. Sucks. No, shut up. You're done. What the uh, fuck? Ansel Elgort. That's my last question. What the fuck? Great. Ansel Elgort sucks ass in this movie and he sucks ass in all movies and i am why, very why is he no no, no i do actually now have a question banged into hit the coffin of his career i do have an actual question how is that a movie star who's casting Cause him? he's hot because no, he was hot in like, the fault in our stars and people fell in love with him because he was hot and that's why he was in movies he's like the 20 most attractive guy in this movie he's not hot he was hot to, to like all the jets Tumblr and users. all the sharks are more attractive than him. Like he's bringing the attractiveness quote down. He was the absolute exact <sighs> aesthetic taste of Tumblr users in 2014. That is why he is famous. That's exactly actually the reason why. Well, Tumblr's dead. Yeah, and so is Ansel Elgort's career. So it's a. He was a lump of clay just sitting there the entire movie. Dan, I I don't want to talk about this shit anymore. Can we please talk about Rita Moreno? Sure. I just don't want to talk what's... about him. I want to lift our spirits, please. You, you know what's really <laughs> funny? Mm. Rita Moreno has most of her scenes with Ansel Elgort, so you're watching in real time like, oh, this is exactly what's missing from the other performer. It's like a whole comparison thing happening <laughs> in every scene. Um, Rita Moreno is terrific. Absolutely terrific in this movie. She's the best performance in the movie by far. Uh, she has such electricness about her. You watch her and it's exciting and it's vital and it feels real. And 
she just has currents still sparking off of her. It's the old MGM star kind of thing. And that's where she was raised. And she still got it. And God, I just loved her in this. Someone with so much heart, so much presence. And she's 90. Is she 90 now? She is still so present. Still so solid in her technique. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. How terrific to have her in this. Thank you, Mark Harris. <laughs> she um, is who should be nominated. Actually, this is kind of not the nicest thing to do, but there's such a clear delineation in my head. Do you mm. want to rank the performances in this movie best to worst? No, but I'm interested to hear yours. It's clearly Rita Moreno, Mike Faced, David Alvarez, you. Rachel Zegler, Ariana DeBose, and then Ansel Elgort. I won't disagree. I, 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 I guess I won't disagree. For me, that's what it was. I think, you know what, honestly, I'd put David Alvarez and Rachel Zegler at the same spot, I think. I honestly, if I was going to do something, I would have faced and um, Alvarez on the same spot. That's really, they're talking about, oh, Rachel Zegler should get an Oscar. This person should get an Oscar. For me, it's Rita Moreno should absolutely be nominated and potentially win. And then it's Alvarez and faced who really have to duke it out in supporting actor category. One of those mm. two, though, I think should win. I'd be happy to see. Mm -hmm. Here's something I'm going to say to wrap this up. Oh, we're just getting started. Are we, Dan? <laughs> so in bar 32 of Dance at the Gym, I'll you will see you in the fucking that stomach. <laughs> it's a two-chord second inversion. And then... <laughs> Yeah, all right then. You know what? Fucking, that's it. <laughs> oh! Oh! Put your dukes up, buddy boy. I don't do... We agreed. We had a war council. We said it was gonna be just nails. Fingernails. We're gonna scratch <laughs> like each other. Like metal nails. No. Oh, God, why? Just chuck them no. in like darts. <laughs> We're gonna scratch the fuck out of each other until one of us gives. And I will have you know, I've been growing <laughs> them for a while, and I just got French tips. Oh, I bite daily. I'll, I'll be running. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the only way the fight could be fair between us. <laughs> it's not um, my fault that you bite your fingernails. Listen, listen, listen. Cuticles aside. Spielberg was asked on a red carpet if he would do a movie musical again, and he said no. He he said he uh, he thought it would sort of be like uh, he was cheating on his girl. Because uh, that's kind of what West Side Story is to him. It's like this is Steven Spielberg doing the movie musical, and as much as that, doing West Side Story. And... As the single musical movie that Steven Spielberg will ever make, I'm happy to have it. Like I didn't bring this up yet, mm. and I don't know why. 
the couple of musical numbers that are in the color purple are well are better shot than the musical numbers that are in West Side Story. Huh. <laughs> There's only a couple. They, they go into the juke joint, and I forget the first number, but then you have, of course, Sister, you've been on my mind, oh, sister. And then later on, she goes into the church, and I think it's God is trying to tell you something. Um, those musical numbers are better shot than the musical numbers in West Side Story. Like, hearing that he's not going to direct another movie musical, I'm fine with it. Yeah, that's kind of like, I don't need to see any more movie musicals from him, and I'm happy to get this This one. one was fine. I'm glad he didn't mess things up, although I don't think he helped a lot. Um... I'm glad he got this out. I'm glad more people are going to be exposed to West Side Story. I hope that they go on a journey with musical theater. I think it's a decent uh, introduction to the show and an introduction mm -hmm. to the genre. But I'm very glad I that the movie didn't... exists. I'm very glad that Steven Spielberg made this movie. Won't mm -hmm. need to see any more from him. But glad that this one exists. It's taking a show that isn't one of my favorites and then making a less than optimal adaptation for me. Yeah, that's us exhausting West Side Story. And thus begins, finally, my vacation from this podcast. I am... I, I've been working really hard on this shit and I've been steering this ship for a long time and I am so excited to finally be able to just sit back and enjoy the cruise that I'm about to be taken on. Dan, I'm officially letting go of the reins. Take it the fuck away. You know, some rivalries are ancient. There are rivalries between good and evil. There are rivalries between Jesus and Judas. There are rivalries between Callus and Tibaldi. And there are rivalries between Joshies and Dans. And then there's also rivalries between makeup mavens like Elizabeth Auden and Helena Rubinstein. They approach. What are we watching, Dan? We are watching the only musical of 2017. <laughs> Warpaint. I am so excited to just be taken on the ride that will be Dan leading this episode. This is Patti Lapone. This is Christine Ebersole. This is two divas having it out on the Broadway stage, on the Broadway. <laughs> Dan, I'm kicking my feet up and I'm excited for this. Pink. Is that my only claim to fame? Pink. <sighs> my shot at permanent acclaim. Pink. Good night, lovely audience. The box is packed. I'll see you next week. Portalized in Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unauthorized Critic Circle. Tune in next week when we discuss war paint specifically the Broadway production's performance on April 29th, 2017. If you enjoyed the episode, rate us, review us, and subscribe to us on your platform of choice. 
And if you have any recommendations, questions, or virtual flowers to send our way, email us at unccpodcast at gmail.com. The Unauthorized Criticable Podcast is unauthorized. The podcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. And all names, pictures, and audio clips are registered trademarks and or copyright of the respective trademark and copyright holders. The Unauthorized Critic Circle cannot help the listener locate or distribute the recordings discussed here.